Hello, everyone. Welcome back this week. We're recording on July the 29th. Wow. I guess another month is crawling behind us. Brent is joining me this week. Brent's had a long spring and summer. And Brent, uh, how are things going? I know you're out there in the part of the country where the drought monitor map has been lingering quite a while. Yeah, it's deep red out here. Very, very dry in our area and has been very, very hot. So not really a very good combination. So it's been a long summer. Yeah. I think you said a while back ago, it's some of the driest for the year rainfall on on record. So you're kind of testing those extreme outcomes. Yeah, it's right up there back to the early 1800s kind of extreme. So the last time I talked to somebody, it was the driest year had been 1953 and we were on pace to easily surpass that. So yeah, it's been a long summer. Well, I'm going to chat a little bit about the latest articles. For those of you who haven't had a chance to listen to the Ag Interrupted podcast, episode one about cheese and the future of dairy, there's a AEI premium only version of that conversation that Sarah had with Annie Novakovich. And so I encourage you to look at that. It's really interesting. You've got kind of a deep dive about the history of cheese production and a little bit about the future and uh, really interesting. So I encourage you to check that out. I took a look this week at farm loan delinquencies. And as you might've expected, they've turned sharply lower. And so that's a positive story in the farm economy. We'll keep an eye on that. And last thing I want to mention before Brett and I kind of do a little bit of a deep dive on interest rates is keep an eye on the June dryness. And so, you know, Jeff Young had done some work. Take a look at that about the Westcott Jewison model and how big of a yield impact that might have. You know, there's there's sort of all these folks who share those drought maps from time to time and they jump to conclusions. But I think one of the overlooked stories here is how dry it was in June and how that could impact the corn crop. Brent, any comments about any of those? Yeah, I think all that stuff's really relevant and it's kind of sneaking up on people, I think, a little bit that maybe the crop isn't going to be anywhere close to as good as people had thought so it kind of odd that you know we're going into this be like three or four years david of below trend uh yields yeah so starting to look that way again of course a lot can change especially with soybeans but yeah looking like uh, another year of not good crop yields and demand still pretty strong shifting gears here just a little bit the fed raised the fed funds rate again this week when setting five basis points on the upper limit up it was at 1.75 percent and now it went up another 75 basis points to 2.5 so that resolved one of the interest rate questions, Brent, that we had started at the beginning of the year with, we asked, you know, how soon will the Fed raise rates? How aggressive will they raise rates? And what happens to the 10-year treasuries? So it's been interesting because I think when we wrote this question, you and I debated like, wow, that's 150 basis points. That's a lot of change. And so we've done more than that by now. And we've seen a lot of, I guess, 225 basis points that have moved that upper threshold. So that's been interesting to watch how that's played out. And it looks like maybe more interest rate hikes on the horizon. And then Brent also will quickly mention that the longer term debt markets, the 10-year treasuries here that we're looking at, they've actually fallen since mid-June. So they got really close to 3.5%, which is that you know threshold we have for that forecast network question. And now it's fallen you know pretty quickly going back to 2.8, 2.75%. So 
keep in mind, there's a lot of moving pieces going on in these interest rate markets. Yeah. And I think sometimes people get really focused on that Fed funds rate and their discussions. And for many of us, it's maybe less important than some of these longer term rates. And I think you're seeing the longer term rates react to the idea that, you know, we're probably going to have some kind of an economic slowdown at some point, probably slowing already, but how much, you know, then is the debate. And I think that leads a little bit into what you and I were talking about beforehand, all the debate about, you know, are we in a recession right now? And that's a real question getting asked a lot. I had a, I would say heated debate after our golf league the other night with somebody who basically said, oh, we're in recession. We've had two quarters of negative GDP growth, and that's a textbook definition of recession. And I tried to explain to him that that's not really the textbook definition of recession. It's the, the metric that everybody can obviously see, but there's more to it. Recessions are declared by the NBER, the National Bureau of Economic Research, and oftentimes in hindsight, as opposed to in current time. And they look more broadly than just economic growth. So they're going to consider things like the the labor market and things like that as they take a more holistic view of it than just two quarters of negative income growth. So there's a lot to it. I'm not going to say we're, I mean, I feel like we probably will head to a recession, but with the labor market as strong as it is, I think they're going to be reluctant to declare it until you start to see some changes in unemployment. I was kind of mentioning this idea ahead of time. We've kind of seen this debate playing out in the political arena, in the social media arena, in the media, the traditional media arenas, you know, did we cross the threshold of a recession or not? And I think what we have to recognize is let's not miss the forest for the tree. And the forest here is that the big picture idea here is that the economy has slowed. The economic growth has slowed. And it's a question of, are we sort of growing tiny amount? Are we growing near zero or are we growing at something that's negative? And Another point to keep in mind, the reason why these things are dated with the rearview mirror is that measures such as GDP and inflation are subject to revision. So we're going to have more data and more information as we get through the fall and into the winter. And so if there is going to be sort of a call, they will oftentimes call it back. And I think, Brent, if I remember this correctly, in 2008, we had that recession that got called before the election. And it was kind of capped off with the collapse of Lehman Brothers and the stumble of AIG and all this banking crisis right ahead of the election. Uh, but when they actually went back and called when the recession started, it was somewhere back in February. And so oftentimes we don't have enough data to make the decision in the moment. And it was the exception that we had during the pandemic, whenever we could see, yeah, no one's going, no one's driving anywhere. No one's going on vacation. Folks are getting laid off in the tourism industry and the restaurant industry. So we could kind of 
we kind of knew with a great degree of certainty when the recession started. So I guess we knew the recession started before the data ever was available to confirm it. And so that was a bit unique. And so I think today's, you know, breaking news society, we want to sort of know the instant that the economy goes into the recession when that's just not the way this process works. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's uh, become a, I mean, the reality is it's getting close to elections, so it's going to be a very political kind of discussion. And I think reality is that, you know, it is a struggle right now for a lot of people and the higher energy prices in particular, I think really add to that. And so that's going to be weighing on a lot of people's minds going forward. So Brent, to wrap this recording up for this week, you spend a couple minutes talking about the email you sent earlier this week about George Washington and the book that you're reading. It's really fascinating stuff. Oh yeah. So I started reading a book called Travels with George and it's an interesting book. It, it basically goes back and retraces the uh, nationwide tour that George Washington took after he was elected president. He went and visited all the colonies and the authors kind of stepping back and talking about how that happened and what he saw and, and all of that kind of stuff. It's a pretty light book and it's kind of fun to read. But the thing that struck me in reading it is that... Everybody talks about all the controversies we have now. And I mean, it does not take long. You can search anything online and find somebody calling for, you know, the end of U.S. democracy is near and, you know, the country's going to collapse. And uh, I'm starting to think that that has been more commonly the case than not. And so, in fact, you know, when Washington was president, there was a lot of controversy, a lot. And they were fighting a lot of political battles. And George Washington was probably the strongest president in history. I mean, he was viewed almost like a god by many people, uh, close to king as you're ever going to get. And even he had a hard time getting things through, like federal taxation. And so the politics has always been ugly in the United States. I mean, we fought a civil war at, at one point in this country. So it just struck me in reading it that things may not be quite as bad as, uh, in a historical context as people want to make them out to be. We've always had lots of ugly fights. That's probably going to be the way it's going to be for a long time. You know, high school history kind of taught us that the founding fathers, you know, sat around the table eating apple pie and they all sort of got along. You know, they had differences, but it was very civil. And I think sometimes it was a little more uh, challenging than what we initially got led on to believe. So there's always lots of interesting stories from that. It also reminds me, Brent, of a, a tweet, I, interestingly enough, that I shared with you. And I'll try to find that and share it in the show notes here about, you know, nobody wants to work. And that's something that we hear a lot today. And somebody went back and found for about 100 years with the newspaper clippings of articles about how there was nobody who wanted to go out and get it. No one wanted to go out and do the job, either mow the lawn or, you know, pick up brush or clean up this different uh, thing. So sometimes our view of history is limited to just what we remember. Well, and one of the things I think today that's very different is that back in Washington's time, I mean, the news that people got was in a newspaper and 
I don't know what the literacy rate was in those days, but certainly not everybody could even read and let alone write to have that discourse. Today, everybody has immediate, you know, discourse and we get caught up in it all the time. And I, th- I just think that that is one of the phenomena that's making things seem pretty awful right now, when in fact they may have always been <laughs> quite difficult. But Washington is a fabulous uh, character from our country's history. He is uh, one of the more interesting guys and just the aura that he presented and he knew how to play into it. So when he went on his tour, he didn't stay with the famous people. He stayed in local taverns and, uh, you know, didn't have these fancy accommodations. But every time he rode into town, he would get out of his chariot and mount his large white horse and stride in on it and put on a good show for everybody. So he got it. He would be a Twitter celebrity today, probably. He was very wealthy. Yes, Washington was very, very wealthy. He owned lots and lots and lots of land. But at the time he started his tour, he had to go. One of the first stops he made was to go pay off some debt. So he did have some debt, but he was a very wealthy man. Yeah. Probably our richest president. If you go back and look at it, uh, even richer than the the current, the recent (laughs) ones. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) The recent ones. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks so much for everyone for joining us. Stay tuned. And until next time, stay curious. Thank you.